The San Diego Padres are a joke, a, 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 a nuclear disaster. But they did manage to win at least one game, which was cool. So we got to react to that and just think over the course of this series, does this change the makeup of the division? Is it possible four teams can make the playoffs from here? Are the Padres doomed? And also, are the Giants not getting enough credit? That's another topic we got to talk about for sure. So, guys, you know what you're listening to? Let's get started. You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of not just the Locked On Padres podcast, but also the Locked On Giants podcast. It's a Locked On crossover extravaganza. It's going to be a fun one. I am your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres if you want my more specific Padres-related tweets. Usually just me, you know, crap posting and... Just being sad, to be quite honest with you. But if you want that, oh, we got it. And also, go on YouTube for Lockdown Padres. And the same goes for Lockdown Giants. Because I am being joined by the illustrious, the magnificent, longtime listeners know him. They know him <laughs> in his gorgeous, framed, like, pictures in his background. The baseball plate with baseball signed inside. He's been on the pod a lot before. My good buddy, Ben Kaspik, host of Lockdown Giants. Sir, how are you doing on this fine evening? Well, I really wish we were here to talk about a four-game sweep, but I guess that would be a little <laughs> bit greedy. Giants would have been, you know, on an 11-game winning streak in the Padres. You're wearing the hat. I'm glad you're wearing the hat for those on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, I, I highly recommend it just to see Javier's hat. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I I almost thought I might be able to get rid of it after the series. The Padres have been playing well. They win two out of three against the Rays, and in general – yeah, they've been a little bit hot and cold, but at least there were periods of hot when it comes to their offense where they would have like some eight run games. And yeah, they followed up with a one, but at least it's like, oh, look, they're, they're showing you the ceiling. And then what do they do in this series, Ben? They drive me insane. In fairness, the Giants are a very good team. I don't want to take anything away from them. I think we've been uh, chatting for long enough, you and I, over the course of the years that you know I have no ill will towards the Giants. I think that they're a phenomenally well-structured team, which I also talked about if everybody wants to go check out. Um, I chat with Mark DeLucci yesterday talking about the difference between the Giants building and the Padres. But, man, this series, it was a big one. And heading into it, the Padres trying to look to get hot, trying not to be the biggest disappointment. Sands, maybe the Mets in baseball this year. And they go out and it's pretty, pretty rough. And that's probably what we're going to talk about the most. But first, I got to at least get in my happiness just a little bit. The only good thing is that the Padres managed to slightly delay the apocalypse from happening among Padres fans. They win the last game of the series on Thursday by a score of 10 to nothing, and it was over pretty quick, uh, to be quite honest with you. We get some home runs in this game from Hassan Kim, Manny Machado, who quietly seems to finally be heating up, by the way, um, over ever since he got back from the IL. So that's good because he was atrocious to start the season. If I'm not mistaken, who else we got from home runs in this game? Oh, and Gary, Gary Sanchez, St. Gary, who had been on a really bad slump lately, but somehow already has, I think, more home runs in these games he's played with the Padres than cumulative home runs for every Padres catcher for the past, like, two years. 
probably oh not true, but it feels like sounds it. true. Yeah, it's probably I mean, close because Nola probably has has hit maybe like one or two, and then maybe you got a couple from I don't know uh, Jorge Alfaro maybe like Alfaro might have had like eight or something like that, but it's still embarrassingly close. But that's basically the story of the game: Manny Machado homers, Gary Sanchez homers, Nelson Cruz gets in on the action. He's been having a rough season. Hassan Kim, even Jay Cronenworth, and they needed Snell. it um, because, and, and then of course we got to talk about Snell, who was absolutely phenomenal yet again. Six innings, no earned runs, and just three hits, and no walks, which was huge. Eleven strikeouts on ninety-seven pitches. Uh, his ERA was at five point oh four at the end of May, and now it is a three point two two. Blake Snell never ceases to amaze me. He's an incredible interview. Ben, I don't know if you saw his his like WRC plus thing that kind of went viral a few weeks ago, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> I think he, I did. I think I did. Just very, he, was he was just like, just, "What is this? Yeah, what does like, what it mean?" This? I think the funniest. And they were part, like, "I can't tell you." <laughs> my, the funniest part for me was when he was like, "All right, I get, but why the plus?" You know, like I was like, "I agree. I don't know why. Even I don't know why. Why, why do we call it plus?" Obviously, there are reasons behind it, but Snell on fire. And use this changeup and generate 22 whiffs across all of his pitches. Every pitch was working. And again, against a very good Giants lineup. Um, so, again, I mean, that's that's literally all the positives for the Padres in this series. But it's at least something. And that's that Snell, who, for a team, by the way, that seemingly is interested in extending and trading and signing every single player in the league. Blake Snell, no rumors whatsoever, which is pretty weird, uh, considering he's probably been the best overall pitcher. Uh, on the team absent Michael Walker this season. But yeah, Ben, uh, pretty cool stuff, at least for one game for the Padres. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to add to that was that I thought actually the Padres starters in this series, like for the most yeah. part, did a really good job. Like uh, it started with Michael Waka, I think, in game one. Mm -hmm. And then um, Seth Lugo was, was good and Blake Snell was good and Darvish wasn't bad himself. And so... Mm -hmm. That's the thing, like when I look at the Padres and, you know, you look at their record and, and the disappointment that they've been, they've been good at kind of preventing runs on the whole. They, like, I think if I think they're significantly better than the Giants at preventing runs, but the Giants have scored a lot more runs than the Padres. And that's what's kind of the that's that's the crazy thing about baseball is that, you know, like 99 out of 100 and I would be the one out of a hundred with like blind optimism would say coming into the year that the Padres offense is going to be at like, if we were to say on June 22nd, which team has scored more runs, 99 out of a hundred people would say the Padres and it's not close. Giants have scored like 60 more runs than the Padres. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you look at that lineup, Tatis, uh, Machado, Soto, Bogarts, yeah. Cronenworth, you know, it kind of drops off after that. And we talked before the season, mm -hmm. I had questions about the depth of the team. And if you have mm -hmm. some injuries and that kind of that second half of the lineup and all that, but then if you add in a guy like Machado, not having a good year and then Bogarts, I don't know what I kind of wanted. To, I've kind of read on Twitter stuff about, he's kind of dealing with an injury or something, but he started off the year so hot. And now the he's basically like overall been, a league average hitter or close mm. to it. And so, I mean, the, the, the Padres are a big story in, in the league this year 
for their underperformance, and that is why you're wearing the hat, and yeah. I really appreciate that. And the Giants, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> 2021 vibes a little bit, or maybe we're living somewhere between 2021 and mm -hmm. 2022 right now, where they're, they're, I mean, they just came off a 10-game win streak. So, yeah, the last game stunk from the, from the Giants' perspective, but they also just swept the Dodgers right before this series, so it's not like they're just beating up on... Uh, the bottom feeders of the league. These are two really good on paper, you know, the Padres teams that they just, you know, Dodgers and Padres, they went uh, six and one. And so it's, uh, yeah, it, you know, these teams, I, I still, there's plenty of season left for the Padres and their run differential is, is good. And they actually outscored the giants in the series, 19 to 15. So they just they just wasted kind of they didn't spread it around right is all yeah i mean that's for sure and the giants are seventh before this game and run scored among all major league teams the padres on the other hand you already alluded to it they are 22nd so not great ben not great whatsoever and this isn't just a simple oh they can't walk enough they can't do this i mean runners and scoring position has kind of been the it's still my pin tweet on the padres account locked on what was it left on base Padres podcast that's basically even the story for them and that happens especially in game three and they've been rough this year and I think and I talked about this with Mark just the difference in the two teams were the Giants and I said this to you a few years ago too where they just seem allergic to being like we're not going to get any minus minus players we haven't gotten our star yet they tried this offseason which we talked about before the season with Correa and Judge but they just have all these Bs. I mean, if you just want to look at WRC+, Plus, I know it's a stat both, both of us like. They have, like, what, 10 guys with at least a WRC+, plus over, over 100? And then they've got, you know, your Brandon Crawfords, who are at least going to give you good defense. And then you have a Mitch Hanniger, who unfortunately got hurt. That's probably the only thing that hasn't gone the Giants' way, to be honest with you, this season. And for me, from my perspective, is the, the Giants, it's a little bit different than 20 what was it 2021 for me because it doesn't feel like they're fermenting if that's the right word like random incredible seasons from old guys i actually like the players they had heading into the year i loved michael conforto as you know i thought that lamont wade he was like this platoon guy who had some health issues last year i didn't realize he'd become budget juan soto essentially <laughs> like that's basically what he, he is. really like you said like, that to me the other day and if you look at the <laughs> numbers like he is I mean, he basically is one Soto. Yeah, 415 and, on base currently for yeah. him. Jock Peterson, another player I like. Bad defensively, he's going to hurt you there. But in the right matchups, he match just DHs. he's really good. Yeah, like, exactly. He's really good, and his WRC Plus right now is at uh, 142. J.D. Davis, a little bit surprising, but only a little because he was pretty good for the Mets. Mike Yastrzemski having a bounce back. Tyro Estrada, like, all these players that are just performing solid, right? Like, they don't necessarily have their Tatis who is probably the best overall player between both of these teams. And you would still probably take a lot of the Padres guys over the Giants players, but they just are solid fundamentally. Even Sean Manaya, I believe, has been turned into a, a decent reliever for the team, at least from when I last checked. I don't know if something... He's been dominant out of the bullpen. He's been dominant? Okay. He's so, looked yeah, like he's striking out... like He's he's basically turned into like Carlos Rodon. If you look at the the kind of strikeout rate, he's just... I mean, I, will it last? I, I, I don't know, but he's become like a strikeout machine out of the bullpen and hasn't been walking people. And I mean, yeah, it, it's weird. It, it, obviously the giants have a good track record with kind of getting the most out of pitchers. Yeah. 
Yeah. And Shamanaya, I mean, it's a stark contrast. He was on the pot. I know the numbers overall, if you look at just ERA for Manaya, they still don't mm -hmm. look good. But yeah, I mean, he in the bullpen, his, he's just been kind of electric. In a new role. Yeah, exactly. So, And then in a different kind of approach. Oof. He's like a, a power pitcher. With the Padres, mm -hmm. he's kind of a, you know, his velocity was in the low 90s, high 80s. Yeah. Now he's like 96 up in the zone, you know, just kind of different looking. They changed him. Absolutely. They absolutely changed them. But before we continue talking about the rest of the series and the sadness overall from the Padres perspective, and then the happiness of the Giants, who I know you tweeted, are they not getting enough love? We're going to let Ben, we're going to let Ben cook for a little bit on that. But before we get yes. into that, something that doesn't change, ladies and gentlemen, is our love here at the Lockdown Padres podcast and Lockdown Giants podcast and Lockdown in general for FanDuel. It's great, guys. Baseball season is in full swing, obviously, and there's no better place to get on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, that's right, right now, as you are listening to this, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to join today. So don't miss your chance to snag a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Go check it out. And we're back, everybody, here on the Lockdown Padres, Lockdown Giants crossover. I love doing the dramatic pause. It's one of my favorite parts of the show these days because my team stinks. Um, but with my team stinking... That's what we got to talk about because this division now, this is, and I know it's, this is a content creator thing to say. It's like, this was a big series, man. But it, it really felt like that because the Giants have that big winning streak going. They absolutely destroyed the Dodgers over the weekend as, I mean, let's be honest, they've kind of been doing that for the last like 15 years, but even still like in this context, they killed them over the weekend and the Padres had been slowly ramping up. So it was a big series and I'm wondering, like, it's just, I don't know, like, how, because I think I, I was talking with some friends of mine, and everyone kind of universally agree. It's like the Giants, they built this team that was like, all right, they added a bunch of stuff, and they said, okay, we, we have a better product overall. Like, that we kind of ironed out some of the kinks with the team last year. You know, Brandon Belt is gone, some guys like that, you know, Buster Posey retired before last year, and just seems like they've kind of they brought in some pros, right? They brought in Hanniger, they brought in uh Manaya, they brought in my boy Conforto, right? So they've been solid in that regard. And JD Davis as well, who's been a stud. But I remember talking with a friend, like we probably two and a half weeks ago, ish, ish, probably just two weeks ago or something like that. The Giants were probably the team that everyone was looking at for being the trade deadline team, where this was the team that Alex Cobb, who I am not surprised at all has been this good because, well, we don't, not that we debate this, but expected stats every now and then can be weird for the season, but they've, they kicked in later. It just, it was a delayed kick in, right? Alex Cobb really unlucky last year. Um, and just with some really miserable Giants defense and all that. Right. But this year he's been elite and everyone's like, Oh, that's going to be the guy at the deadline or JD Davis or Conforto. They, they signed Conforto. So then they could trade him for prospects. Instead, they're probably going to be buyers at this rate. And it's, it's probably going to go well for them, man. I mean, the, what is kind of the current state, I guess, of the Giants? Because, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it really does feel like it has flip-flopped from being a 
solid baseball team. You can go watch them, you know, get some get some Cracker Jack and a hot dog and have a good time to, oh, yeah, we're like a good team. And we just whoop the Dodgers and Padres at back-to-back series. Yeah, and I see that stuff. And, I and you know, kind of blending with what you were going to ask me later about the Giants yeah. not getting enough credit. I Here mean, he goes. Here he goes. Let all due respect to our fellow <laughs> Locked On hosts. I've got, you know, we I've seen other locked on channels kind of saying who the, who their trade targets are and uh they're talking about like jock peterson and this is a team mm-hmm. that the locked on other host their team is like go ahead now go ahead two games under 500 and the giants go are ahead. nine games over 500 Woo! what are you talking about Uh-oh! why why are you what do you how do you think you're getting jock peterson from the giants it, uh, the giants are going to take your players not the other way around <laughs> And so I don't get it. The Giants get zero respect. They people just don't know what's going on with them. They're not in a position where they're looking to sell, even if they were around 500. They're in a position where, like, people should come to me because I'll tell you like it is. If you're confused, <laughs> that this team has made the playoffs one time since 2016, and this front office is now in year five and they made the playoffs one time and then following up on this historic 107 win season they flopped to an 81 and 81 record which is not that bad but they they got really hot in in like september to get to even 81 and 81 and so there's pressure on the giants to make the playoffs and they are not a team that had any designs. I mean, you talk about Conforto and and they did not sign this guy to trade him. They signed him like the deal is similar to the Rodon deal in very similar. And they have the same agent, Scott Boris, uh, with, you know, two years with an opt out after the first. And I mean, even last year they had Rodon and they didn't trade him. And so this year, I think, like clearly the intention was to be better than they were last year. This is a team that tried, they literally had an agreement for $350 million for Carlos Correa. So who, I I just don't understand when people think this team is a seller and like, how did they become a really good team? Well, I think they identify undervalued players really, really well. Like you talk about Tyro Estrada and Lamont Wade. Those guys are just legitimately good players, like really good. They deserve to go to the All-Star game. They're, they've they performed better than, you know, Manny Machado. I know really, Machado's yeah. been, been bad, uh, you know, had a down year, but had a good last couple games. But overall, I mean, he's been – these guys have been better than Machado. So has J.D. Davis. And – you talk about Davis, he always hit with the Mets and with the Astros. He's just always hit. If you look at his numbers, uh, his issue was that he wasn't a good defender. Mm-hmm. And what the Giants did with him is helped him like tangibly improve his defense. And so they're, they identify, not only do they identify undervalued targets, like Yastrzemski and Tyro and Wade, these guys were acquired in extremely minor trades where they gave up either cash or like players who are now pitching in Korea and they're performing at an all-star level for the Giants. And then you look at JD Davis, the Giants gave up Darren Ruff and they got JD Davis and three prospects 
And then they ended up back with Ruff a year later after the Mets cut him loose. And then the Giants cut him loose. So they, they're just out here <laughs> the fleecing. <laughs> they're out here fleecing teams like yeah. the Mets. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you've got a player with a weakness like Davis, maybe defensively, and they tangibly helped him improve some things. And it shows up in the numbers. If you look at, like, defensive run saved and just simply watching him play every day, he has been actually not just okay, but really good defensively. And so now you combine that with the fact that he always hit, it just kind of looks like they they completely fleeced the Mets on that deal. And J.D. Davis has been an enormous part of their success. And then you look at they're doing unorthodox things with their pitching staff. Right now they've got like three starters. They're doing bullpen games all the time. They did two wins. At, I think uh, two of the wins in the series, it was started by a reliever, uh, an opener. And so anyway... Yeah, I just think they're they always had designs on winning and maybe 2022 was more of the fluky year than I mean 2021 maybe like they're maybe they were both fluky 2021 and 2022 and, and that tw- yeah. and that their actual talent is like kind of somewhere in the middle and that's I think that's what we're seeing this year. Mm-hmm. As I talked about with with Mark on my podcast yesterday not to keep tatting my show but we were like his thing was I think that Preller can learn from Zaidi in a lot of ways because Preller has been good at, I think actually a little bit underrated at procuring a farm system that then you are able to use for stars. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, they got Jackson Merrill. They have this kid who's 16 years old who's playing catcher and is debuting. So it's like they have done good at that. The amount of trades has been my problem with the Padres. The the How many of them at the same time? You know what I mean? Doing all of this for right now instead of like, I don't have any issue with the Soto or Bogarts or uh, Manny or whatever signings and Darvish and all that, but it's just like all of them right now feels a little bit like you're locking too much of your team in place. Well, the Giants, they could also, as Mark thought, like they could learn a little bit from trying to get more of the superstars. And he thinks, as well as I do, that they were trying, like I think, you know, with the Aaron Judge thing, with the Carlos Correa thing, which was obviously, I imagine you've talked about that on your show a lot, so I'm not going to um, rehash it too much, but it's just a, this is what they do. This is what they do. This is what the Giants do. And it's one of the reasons I've liked them, even as a Padres guy, even just as a general baseball fan, is that uh, for any of my Marvel heads out there, they're kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy of baseball. Just a bunch of misfits that come together, but you better not underestimate them because they will beat people that you probably don't expect them to beat. They've been doing it with the Dodgers for a decade. They've been doing it with the Padres for, I'm going to just assume, a century. And everybody else for a long time, right? Like, this is just what they do. And I'm really curious to see what happens for them going forward uh, because their their team is just sound in every aspect. They've got an elite closer. They're making Manaya a lot better in this new role for them. You have Logan Webb. You have Alex Cobb. And then you have all the offensive players we just talked about. It's, it's a good ball club um, in, in a lot of ways. The Padres, my big thing for them has been starting pitching has been good. Bullpen has been great. Not in the series. Uh, and then their defense, if you, whether you choose defensive run save, they're eighth in baseball. And if you're an outs above average guy, then they're first in baseball. Like they have the stuff there. It's just they can't drive people in. And I think that's what you saw. So it's hard for me to perfectly figure out what the problem with the Padres is. Like in terms of right now, runs in scoring position, how Preller assembles a roster. But all I know for sure is that the Giants are doing the right things um, and it just seems to work out for them. And I don't know, man, I think this is going to be a weird market, but the Giants might come in and be like, hey, 
Let's go. Tim Anderson stinks right now. We're going to turn him into a, uh, a good outfielder. So I'm just, I'm exaggerating, but that's what the giants do. They seem to be like, let's find the guys that we think can make better while the Padres are like, let's find the guys that are great and just hope that they don't get worse. Um, <laughs> which is what it feels like for the pods. And right. Hey, it's two totally different philosophies. Y- yeah. And can I just add like the one thing that's going on with the giants right now that you have not seen in a long time is that they've got some young guys showing up and contributing and guys that are making because even in 2021 like around here people were still kind of like this team is uh not exciting you know people obviously got on board with the 107 win team but certainly last year it was just people were really antsy and kind of not happy with the product and the having young players come up and make a true impact is first of all it's what led to the championship era for the Giants like if you look at how those teams were built Posey and Lincecum and Kane and Bumgarner and Pablo Sandoval like these were all homegrown players and you saw some of those guys in this series like some new young players like Luis Matos who's who's the second youngest position player in the major leagues at 21 years old and behind only Jordan Walker of the Cardinals. And then Patrick Bailey, suddenly you're like, hey, if, if you're a Padres fan, who is this catcher? Where's Joey Bart? Well, Joey Bart wasn't performing well. Yeah. It, Patrick Bailey was a pick by this new regime in t- first round in 2020. And he's just showed up and all he's done is impress. And he's been really, really good defensively. He threw out Tatis trying to steal third in game one in the first inning of the series, kind of set the tone. Uh, Tatis leadoff double, and then he gets thrown out for the first out, trying to steal third by Patrick Bailey, who had just thrown out Mookie Betts at third in the ninth inning of a tie game with one out at Dodger Stadium. And so it's like big time the way this guy's performing. And he's hitting. He he had two hits today, had two at-bats, two hits. If you look up the numbers for Patrick Bailey, I mean, and and I (laughs) I would imagine a lot of people haven't heard of him, but here he is on the Giants just contributing for the last month or so and Matos is really exciting and they've got other exciting prospects coming. And so that's a big part of what is, it kind of changed the vibe when these guys showed up and not just showed up, but played well because young players coming up and playing well energizes a team a lot. And I, and that's happened this year with the giants. Yes, it has. And the Padres, the Padres kind of, I mean, Tatis was that, but yeah. after that, the, they kind of trade away all their prospects, yeah, and so you exactly. haven't really had a chance. It's to... been too much trades, some, some would argue, and that's mm-hmm. what my earlier point was, where it's like, yeah, I'm cool with the Soto trade, I'm cool with Bogarts, but am I cool with all of them? Uh, if I knew that the team was still down to spend money, do I want them still trading for Soto? If I knew we were trading for Soto, do I still want us to go out and get Xander Bogarts and then also extend Machado? It's it's a lot of questions because the Giants are showing you that you can find other ways and the Giants, they are missing that superstar. And I think that's probably I would wager the only reason people aren't talking about them because the guys just aren't household names. They don't have a posy. Um, I, I would argue their most known player might be Michael, not Michael. Uh, actually, yeah, maybe might be Michael Conforo just because he was on the Mets. Maybe Logan Webb. Uh, a lot of the other guys are just a little bit unknown at the moment. Uh, in terms of just popularity, but they're just as good as every other team's best players. And especially for an offseason that had such a crazy free agent class 
with shortstops, with outfielders, with starting pitching. Uh, I, I talked about this on my show this week too. Um, yesterday's episode, just a, a, a pretty insane, just for big moves that happened this offseason for the biggest players. Like barely anyone's performed. I mean, Xander Bogart has actually, compared to the rest of them, been pretty great. But like <laughs> Trey Turner, I've made this joke before. He's Isaiah Kiner-Falefa now on the Phillies, which is insane. I'm not trying to be mean to the guy, but he's just, that's not what you expect from Trey Turner. Carlos Correa, he's been heating up lately, but he hasn't been very good. Um, no. Aaron Judge, an exception. Jacob DeGrom, the injury. Um, Andres Jimenez and Manny Machado, two extensions that have not worked out for either team. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's across the board. It's across the board. Carlos Rodon hasn't even pitched yet for, for the Yankees. It's crazy. The it's truly guys, insane. Man. It's, it's, it's been point. one of those really flop free agent slash, including the extensions with Machado and Jimenez, like a really crazy flop class while the Giants are like, Hey, we like JD Davis. We're cool. You know, <laughs> we're, we're good yeah. on that. <laughs> There's something to be said about flexibility. Like if like when you lock yourself into these massive deals, they're they better work out. Otherwise, there's there's a lot of like pressure on the players. There's kind of angst from so the fans. That's What's my that? thing. Particularly when you have so many of them too. It's not mm. like the Padres only have Tatis for 14 years. Because then I'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't care. You know, you know what I mean? I'd be like, all right, whatever. But they have like six of those guys, including Darvish, who will be pitching until he's 40. So right. that's like when it that makes it like, oh, my God, there's no wiggle room. And I think that's the difference between these two teams where the Giants, I mean, that I, I know I imagine you've talked about it on your show. I mean, everyone has to talk about it on their show. But are they a play for Shohei Otani this offseason? I mean, it's they didn't get their big fish with Judge and Correa, maybe blessing in disguise it ends up maybe they they make a run for him it's going to be interesting um but i know with this series with the padres a lot of people are going to look at it deservedly so they're going to say snell was great and then we got walked off two nights in a row um i don't even know if i messaged you just being sad i, I don't know what like I, I think i said i was going to jump into a nuclear reactor um <laughs> and then we had the third game where wasn't a walk-off or anything like that, but instead, rather, the Padres, I believe they were like one of eight with runners and squirms, and Trent Grisham was the only one to drive someone in at one point. Grounding That dude the kills the Giants right. just yeah. every time, by the <laughs> it's way. so funny. That guy just owns us. This is why baseball is amazing. He's not even, our, not even like I mean, close to our best I mean, his player. numbers are dreadful, but it's like <laughs> nobody, if you ask any Giants fan, he's like the best player on the Padres. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> Give Obviously him the, the three hundred million dollars. Yeah, right. <laughs> the walk off against them in twenty twenty in uh, at Oracle. He hit a walk off homer against the Giants in like at Oracle Park, <laughs> and it's ever since stuff. That guy's just a stuff, villain. Man. Absolutely. Villain. Um, I don't know if Bob Melvin's in trouble. I don't know what's going to happen with this team. They've got Pittsburgh uh, coming up. They've got the Nationals coming up. So maybe finally can they turn around? But as of right now. There's a reason I'm still wearing the hat. I do have to ask you, though, because we have in the show notes on the side, you think it's possible that this division has four playoff teams in it? I think it's very possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just be, um, you know, let's just look at the numbers. Fangraphs puts up playoff odds, and right now you've got four teams in the West with playoff odds of 47% or more, and the Padres are the one that one's at 47%. Uh, and the Giants at 69%, the D-backs at 77%, and the Dodgers at 87%. So those are those are like 
outside of the Braves, those are like the highest odds of anybody. And somebody's got to win the Central. But I don't think, you know, I don't think a second team probably makes it out of that Central. And yeah, then not. in the East, you've got, I mean, the Marlins, the Marlins are playing well. But if you look Very at the well. run differential, the thing I look at run differential as well as record, especially in a 162 game season, we've got a lot of baseball left. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at the Padres upcoming schedule and it is, you know, you've got, you just come off a 10, 10 nothing win and now you go home and play the nationals. And then you play the pirates, you play the reds who I think are destined to cool off and then the angels and the Mets. But, th- but that little pocket there of nationals, pirates, reds, I think you could maybe ride this, the momentum of the 10, nothing win. I just think if you look at the talent of the Padres, the run differential of the Padres, which is plus 28, which has an expected record of 41 and 34, and the actual record is 36 and 39. I just think eventually that talent plays out. It's a more, it's a mm. better team than the Marlins, I think. Uh, for example, <laughs> and so yeah, <laughs> like I mean, a- the Marlins are like 10 games over 500, so it's hard to at this stage, yeah. like. They haven't been say, better, but if we have any Marlins fans watching, Padres didn't have the best run differential last year. They just hit really clutch and had good pitching. Sometimes it happens. Kim Ang for GM of the year with the Raya's deal and all this stuff. Like it, it's, it's possible hard to keep it up. Preller gets just <laughs> thrown to the piranhas potentially. It's it's a wild world we live in, man. Uh, anything's possible, but it's hard to keep it up. And look at the Pirates. I mean, they started out twenty and eight, exactly, and they mm-hmm. had the best record in the game. And everyone's talking, you know, I think with up there with the Rays, and now they've lost 10 in a row. You know, run differential yeah. catches up with you. If you're just getting outscored on the season, it's hard to keep winning. Mm-hmm. If you're, You've got to be, like, extremely clutch. Like, say, 20-21 Mariners who missed the playoffs, but, like, they were close. And then if that does happen, then it might catch up to you the next year, is what I've noticed, where it's like, all right, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to recreate that two years in a row. In a lot of sports, that's the case usually, when you just keep winning all the close games or keep losing all the close games. The question is whether or not the Padres will regress to the mean this year, I think. And I, I just, I don't know. They just have a lot of bad vibes to the team. Everyone wants Melvin fired. You have the situation on Monday when they either didn't throw Tim Hill in or they didn't throw Josh Hader in. and Or the fact that they used Luis Garcia, who they used in yesterday's game, probably to just just give him a good mental picture of what it looks like to get an out because he's been struggling to do that. And that's what happened with the Giants game. It's It's really tough. I want to end on one thing uh, just for fun because I think it, it was it was pretty funny. The uh, Melvin ejection um, that occurred in hold on Wednesday's game, in which Tatis, which again big surprise for the one absent aside from Blake Snell's pitching, one of the best developments for the team this year has been Tatis becoming an exceptional defensive outfielder. Probably going to mm-hmm. win the Gold Glove if he keeps this up also because of his popularity and his overall skill throws out. I forgot who it was at home plate. Sable, um, Blake Sable. It was, it was Blake Sable. And what's your perspective on this whole catch rule thing? My first thing was I was just a little comatose because I didn't care <laughs> in a way because I was like, my team stinks. I'm not going to start getting upset at umpires now. Like my takeaway was the rule seems to state if the throw beat him by that much then it shouldn't be called. But like, I'm a little bit, I'm just kind of removed from this. Cause my thing overall was like, I'm just sad. Like my team's losing and I don't want to turn this into a, the classic content creator thing where I just blame the umps. Cause like, bro, like 
score. You know what I mean? So like, what was your kind of perspective on that? Do you think the rule needs tinkering or what do you think? Yeah. So I've, I've seen that, that part about if the throw beats the runner by a lot that they can like just ignore a violation. I've seen that like reference, but I haven't actually seen that like documented officially in the rule book. What I have seen is the documented official rule about the illegality of what a, a catcher can do that would be a violation of it's the home plate collision rule. And to me, Gary Sanchez clearly violated it. He had, you know, I talked about this on my show today, but before the throw, like as the throw was coming in, he was in a legal position, but as the ball was getting closer to him, he started to position himself into the lane of the runner and he did not yet have the baseball. And simply put, that is the rule. You cannot get in front of the lane of the runner, which is like basically Gabe Kapler, Giants manager, said after the game, there mm-hmm. the team's understanding of the rule is that the the catcher cannot have any part of his body, like his foot, uh on on the foul side of the line. And mm-hmm. Gary Sanchez did. If you look at the replay, his left mm-hmm. foot was on the foul side of the of the third base line before the ball arrived and he did the throw didn't force him there that's the thing is you are allowed to do this if the throw forces you to do it but sanchez simply was starting to position his body in front of the plate and Mm -hmm. it's ticky tack but like technically like in Mm -hmm. in new york they're just trying to go by the letter of the law and and the the part about if he if the throw clearly beat him, I haven't seen that. I need to see that like uh, the official terminology, mm-hmm. and I'm willing to say I'm that I take it back if I see mm-hmm. that. But I haven't seen that. Like I've seen it referenced, but I haven't actually seen it. Whereas I've seen, I know that the other part of the rule, and it was not all that borderline, but it but it was. I mean, his foot was just kind of barely in the lane. But if you watch Blake Sable, he veered way out. Mm-hmm. Uh, once Sanchez got in front of the plate and he didn't have the ball yet. And that's that's a clear violation. Mm-hmm. And I know like it stinks if my team f- faced that, I would be unhappy, but mm-hmm. the rule is the rule and you just yeah. have to ab- live live with the with the rule. Maybe this is just one of those cases, in my opinion, just a little clarification might be needed. Maybe Major League Baseball needs to come out and be like, let's yeah. just tinker the language. Let's make sure it's a little bit more clear or like uh absolute that you can't block it in any form or that it does matter if you be, whatever i think they just need to make it a little bit more absolute similar to for all my football fans out there when nobody knew what the heck a catch was in football for the longest time and then they finally had to be very specific about what it meant because you don't have to hold the ball uh and, and carry it with you to dinner and have it not move out of your arms for like another half hour for it to be a catch they clarified that that's what i think is the case here and again i'm not really that upset um Tatis has been great defensively. No one's going to be upset. Like it's it's fine if he does if he has one less outfield assist. Um, so I, I was totally cool with that. And I think that this was not nearly, from my perspective, as egregious as the what was it Rangers White Sox? I yeah. think where yeah. that one was like I remember listening to a, around the horn at ESPN and Mina Kimes and just brought up like the guy didn't have to change his route of sliding. Like he didn't have to move his butt. It seems pretty obvious that there wasn't a block of the plate there. That one I felt like was a genuine bat, especially because it actually seems like it cost the game. 
while this was an early-ish thing for the Padres that just added on to a nightmare of stuff that had been already happening. So it was hard for me to get super upset about it and blame it entirely. So, hey, and people getting mad at Cap... What? This is a general thing in sports. Stop getting mad at people because they're they're trying to, like, bring up a rule that they know is going to... It's in the rule. Like, I don't understand why you would... It's it and it it was successful. You know, yeah, it's like, not it like oh, he tried like, to do something and it. It's not like he. Hit why would he even try? It, 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 he he literally, you know, the 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 Sanchez violated the rule yeah. and that's why they challenged. Yeah, so I'm totally cool with that. Um, regardless, again, clarification probably. Clarif- I love. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. MLB could do a much better job. Like the players don't know the the manager yeah, Bob Melvin exactly. was beside himself. Like nobody <laughs> he knows what beside himself either. So. Yeah, so yeah, and but and I, and I saw the one the previous night. It's kind of crazy. It happened back to back nights, and I was with you. I was like, where, what, how is that a violation? And I I think I figured it out talking to myself today, on the show <laughs> that I was doing, is because Jonah Heim. I think it was no, he's the guy who was yeah, it was Jonah Heim. Yeah, I think it was, and he was behind the plate. And so it's like, of course, the runner has a lane because you're not you're how could you be blocking yeah. the plate if you're mm-hmm. like behind it? And I think the idea is what if the runner wanted to run straight through the plate? They're allowed. They don't have to slide. And yeah. so I'm kind of thinking the lane was blocked for him to run if he wanted to. And so we need clarification. That's what it feels we like. We need clarification. Like, we'll, 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 you, okay, so you, come on, the rule, you just <laughs> yeah. you just have to be off to the side. You've got to be in fair territory and do everything you can to stay in fair territory mm-hmm. until you have the ball. And then you can do whatever you want. You can get yeah. in front of the guy. You can just stand there and block the plate. And you can have collisions. Like exactly. You, the runner can, can kind of blow you up if you get in front of the plate. We don't see it often. Because uh, but, of your guy. That's partially why this whole thing started and i'm a big fan of it because i watch football for big hits i do not watch baseball for big hits in yeah. fact I'd, i don't even watch football for that but that's what the it, it, this it was very weird and buster posey obviously being kind of the face of that back in the day uh but yeah i agree i think we just need a clarification and i think in general stop getting mad at people for doing their job essentially uh in this case and gabe kapler may very well again get himself a manager of the year he already got it two years ago but with how the giants have been played this is how this rule this uh, award usually goes, so maybe that's going to go his way. And just in general, again, PSA, stop getting mad at people for kind of doing what they should be doing. Like with, what's his name? With Boris? I've never understood why this guy, he gets guys overpaid. Okay, that's his job. Great job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he does his job. <laughs> literally his job. I don't understand job. <laughs> why people get mad. It's insane. But anyway, uh, that's for another entire podcast. Uh, ben, do you have any final words you want to give to the people and any things you want to plug? Not really. I mean, just a lot of baseball season left. It's going by real fast for me. And so just for me, like trying to enjoy every day. I can't believe the All-Star break is almost here already. It's kind of gone by so fast. But yeah, the NL West, I I really truly believe, like I'm calling it for your listeners and for my own, that I think the Padres are going to be a factor Mm. as a, you know, they're not, they're not cooked, I don't think. And you know, you look at the Braves, I think they had a 35 and 39 record in 2021 mm-hmm. and which is the Padres had that record maybe right now or coming into today, coming into today. And that Braves team Braves went on to yeah. win the World Series. And so, you know, and all, and you, you know, from last year, you just got to get into exactly. the playoffs and then you, and then you can, 
even if you're the underdog and in New York on the road, you know, playing the Mets in a wild card series, you could still surprise people and and make a run. So things happen in sports all the time that have never happened before. Last year, first National League, first championship series in general that featured two wild card teams. Who the heck knows? This could be the first year when an 85 win Padres team wins the World Series. We don't know. I'm still sad. Ben is not. But regardless, we keep chugging along anyway. Uh, ben, this has been a blast as always. Love doing our crossovers, man. Uh, really good stuff. And for everybody else, remember, go follow both of us on YouTube, Lockdown Padres, Lockdown Giants, me at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and Ben at Ben Caspic. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. And shouts to the San Francisco Bay folk. Take care.